This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Hey, happy Easter, Resurrection Sunday, whichever way you want to go, we are good with it, and it all means the same thing to us. So, uh, great to see you. My name is Chris. I'm the pastor here at Christian Chapel. And Easter is always a fun time for us to see you, your family, your friends. If you're a guest, we'd love to say hi to you afterwards. This year at Christian Chapel, we're taking time in our services to celebrate the good things that God is doing. If you have some of those stories, you can send them to us at praise at christianchapel.com. One of the things we felt like God calling us to do in 2023 was just stop and take time to celebrate the stories of salvation, of healing, of provision, guidance, all the things that he does and share those with each other, and then also take time and pray that he'll do them again. And so each week we're sharing those and then then taking time to pray together. This morning's story comes from Linda Duntley. Linda says, I came to Christian Chapel on March 12, 2023 with many physical ailments. I have multiple sclerosis and have been in the emergency room the previous week due to a flare-up. I also suffer from a couple types of arthritis. For the last seven years... I've had only one finger that I can consistently bend. I have some fingers that I have not been able to bend for 17 years due to arthritis. During the morning service that Sunday, there was an invitation to receive prayer for healing. I responded knowing that was what I needed, but I was not full of faith or expectation. I moved forward simply out of obedience, knowing that I was sick and would like to be well. I walked forward, and without expressing my need, Rubens Cunha prayed for me to be healed of arthritis. I was initially disappointed, as multiple sclerosis was what I really wanted to be healed from. I didn't feel any different after the prayer as I headed back to my seat. I bent down to pick up my purse to leave and go home, and as I picked up my purse, I noticed that one of my fingers was bending. That was new and unexpected. It had been so long since my fingers have bent that I really didn't even try anymore. I've just learned to do everything with a flat hand. When I felt that one bend, I tried the next one, and then the next one, and then the next one, and one after another, all my fingers began to bend and move as they had not moved for years. Linda said, I drove home that day with a full grip on the steering wheel. When I got home, I tried a few other tasks and noticed an incredible difference. I was no longer dropping things on the floor. The increased dexterity in my fingers was making a real difference. On top of that, the pain in my fingers was gone. In my life, I've known disappointment and heartache, but March 12, 2023 was a wonderful reminder that Jesus never abandons me, Jesus is always faithful, and I always have hope in him. Linda, Linda sent me a video uh, showing me how, how her fingers were moving that day. She said, I sent this to all my friends and family as well. I touched base with her about a week ago. She said, still, uh, you know, over a month out, or about a month out now, no pain, still full movement. Uh, just a wonderful story of Jesus showing up in an unexpected way and giving gifts of healing. And so each week when we share those, as I said, we're praying two prayers. One, a prayer of gratitude, and two, a prayer of, Lord, will you do that again? And so if you're here this morning and you've got a, a physical need in your body, whatever that might be, uh, just reach out, grab the hand of someone next to you if you're comfortable and you know them. Um, If you'd like someone around you to join with you, just stick your hand up and they'll they'll reach out and put their hand on your shoulder. But if you've got that need and you're just saying, Lord, I want to receive that healing, we want to pray for you today. So Jesus, we come to you and we thank you for the story of Linda, Lord, of, of her just 
incredible, incredible work that you've done in her life of healing, of the removal of pain, the restoration of movement. We recognize that as a miraculous gift from you, as a grace that you've extended to her, and we want to celebrate with her. And now, Jesus, we ask, will you do that again? Will you release your gifts of healing among us? Will you release your gifts of healing in our bodies this morning? Will you continue to restore movement? Will you drive away the the effects of sickness, of disease, of injury, of trauma. Will you especially, Lord, we're praying today, move into those spaces where we have been told uh, movement will not return, function will never be normal again. Lord, in those spaces, will you come and just bring life and bring wholeness and bring healing? We recognize that there is nothing we can do, Lord, to earn or deserve that gift from you. And yet we come asking, will you give us faith to believe that you are still the God who hears and you are still the God who heals. And we speak healing and life into every life, into every body today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, today we are continuing our series through the book of Acts. If this is your first time or maybe first time in a while, the story of Acts is a story of the early church. And really there's three recurring themes that we see over and over and over again in Acts. It's Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the church. And so everywhere that the, the church grows, they're preaching Jesus. And everywhere they're preaching Jesus, they're doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as they do it, more and more men and women are added to the church. And this story just goes over and over and over again. Today we'll be in Acts chapter 3. And we're going to talk about what it means for Jesus to come and be more in our lives. Now we all probably have areas uh, of life where we hope he will be more, where we hope he will do more. And what we'll see in Acts chapter 3 this morning is Jesus shows up in our point of need and he is always able to do more than we could have asked or thought or imagined. And oftentimes we come to Jesus sure and certain of what our primary need is and he reveals to us actually there's something greater that I'm going to do here. Now, if we had time to go around the room this morning and ask you to fill in this blank, I think we could come up with a lot of answers. I need more, and you fill it in. So so some of our young parents in the room would say, I need more sleep. That's all I want. For this child, I prayed, but I didn't know what I was praying for. And I don't know why they won't sleep, and I don't know why they won't do. For some of us, it would be, I need more money. I just, I need to pay the bills. I need to do it. For some of us, I need more peace. I need more quiet. I need more rest. I need more respect. I need more joy. I need more meaning. I need more significance. I need more friends. I need more of an experience of community. Whatever it is, we could all fill it in, and we could all probably fill it in over and over and over again. And what you have found in your life is the same thing I've discovered in mine, is that as soon as I fill that blank in and that need is met, life changes and I need something else. Right? You, you just, I, don't, I don't know if anyone has ever had the point in life where they've said, you know what? I have everything I need and I have everything I will ever need. And I'm just perfectly happy and content. Now, this is the life that the scriptures promise we can find, that we can discover, and yet life still comes at us to throw seasons, situations, people, and places that cause us to express, I need more of something. And what we'll see in Acts chapter 3 this morning is that Jesus really does care about those outward, visible areas of life where we need more. 
but he also has a plan to lead us into an even deeper experience of his power and his presence that brings true and lasting transformation to us. So if you have a Bible, Acts chapter 3 is where we're going to be. If not, it'll be here on the screen for you as we work our way through. Acts chapter 3 will start in verse 1. It says, one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. So the the man has several needs in his life. First of all, it tells us that he was lame from birth and was being carried. It's obvious he can't walk. He's never walked. He's never known what it is to roll out of bed, put your feet on the floor, and head in the direction you want to head. For his entire life, he has been dependent on others for movement. To get from the bedroom to the outer portion of the home, to get to the restroom, to get to the neighbor's house, to get to the temple. For his entire life, he has lived a life of physical need. Pronounced, obvious physical need. Now that physical need has also led him to a place of financial need. There was no government structure in place to support him, to care for him, so he was completely at the mercy of his family, and the only way that he could contribute to the family was by begging at the temple. And so six days a week for all of his adult life, probably for most of his life as a teenager, possibly even for portions of his life as a child, he was loaded up in one form or another from his home, he was carried to the temple, he was set on a mat so that he could beg. That financial need also then created a relational need because it meant the temple, which was supposed to be this place of holiness, of awe, of reverence for the Lord, a place where he felt one with his fellow Jews in their service and submission to the Lord. For him, the temple had been reduced to a transactional place. It was a place where men and women walked by and he only saw them as people who would either have pity and throw him a few coins or who would ignore him and reject him. And so he's a man of intense need, some of which he's aware of and he's trying to do something about, some of which he's unaware of and he's about to discover in this process. For you and I, when we find ourselves in positions of need, one of the primary lies that the enemy comes to tell us is that you are the only one who has ever been in need. And Acts chapter 3, and really the whole story of the scriptures, is a wonderful reminder to us that you are never the only one in need. In fact, I, I would tell you this morning, if you think there are people in your life who have perfect lives, it's just proof that you don't have a really good relationship with them. Because as soon as you get to know someone, you begin to understand they have problems, they have difficulties just like I do. Now, on a day like Easter Sunday, it can appear that everyone has it all together. Because, I mean, what says a strong, loving marriage more than a husband and wife in matching pastel colors? Right? Like, clearly, they have it together. They've never fought. They've never disagreed. That man wore a pink shirt. Clearly, he just, he adores his wife. Right? And you see, like, you'll see later out at the line for the kids. Now, now the, the photo booth line goes one of two ways. 
It either tells a lie of there are perfect families, because there's a few of you that your kids are going to stand quietly, and then they're going to smile, and then you're going to go out. And then there's others of us that we're going to threaten our kids in the line of like, Jesus died, you might too. Uh, you know, <laughs> you better smile. We're going to send this to grandma. You better do it. So, so that can go either way in the, the Easter photo booth line. But, but for most of us, a day like today, you can just look around. It feels like everybody has it together except me. I'm the disaster, I'm the mess, I'm the one who can't pull it together, I'm the one who's never good enough, I'm the one who's never smart enough, I'm the one who always says the wrong thing at the wrong time, I'm the one who can't manage my finances, I'm the one who can't get healthy, I'm the one, and what the enemy wants you to do is he wants you to isolate yourself on this island where you become convinced you're the first, the last, and the only one to ever live in a position of need. And yet what Easter reminds us of is that we are all needy, helpless, and hopeless. And our need is not the thing that repels God away from us, but our need is what attracts God to us. He's the one who created us to live in, he created us in his image to live in fellowship with him and with each other. He's the one who sees the full impact of sin on our life. And in every space where sin has broken our experience of a relationship with God or our experience of a relationship with others, Jesus says he comes to give us life and life to the full. So that means your need is not a space you have to hide. Your need is not a space you have to ignore. Your need is not a space you have to cover up. Your need is not a proof of God's absence, but your need becomes the place where you encounter Jesus. And in Acts chapter 3, we find a man who his needs have pushed him way past the point of being able to hide it. And what I hope you'll understand this morning is when you come to a true evaluation of who you are without Jesus, you will find you are just as obviously in need, helpless, and hopeless as this man in Acts chapter 3. You might have walked your way in this morning, but spiritually, you are dead, lifeless, and unable to do anything for yourself. And from that position, the resurrection story of Jesus brings hope and life to us. In fact, when Peter and John encounter the man in Acts chapter 3, their response is to affirm to him and to us that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is now active on this man's behalf and in his life. We'll keep reading the story in Acts chapter 3, verse 4. It says, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Now when the man looks up at Peter and John, he has this this sense of expectancy and this sense of hope. Again, he's, he's used to maybe three primary reactions when he begs. The first would be one of pity where people give him some money. The second would be one of of kind of apathy where people just ignore him. And the third, which probably wouldn't have been very common but may have occurred at some point, would have been one of of derision or rejection where people may have expressed to him of, hey, it's your fault, right? There, There was this widely held belief that if you were somehow physically disabled, it was because of the sin in your life. And so there would have been a small segment that would have rejected him entirely. 
And so when Peter and John look at him and say, look at us, his heart is filled with hope that they're going to toss a few coins his way. He has no idea that they're about to share the thing that is worth more to them than anything in the world. When they say, look at us, he looks thinking they're going to give a gift and walk away, not knowing that in just a moment he's about to walk away with them. He knows what his need is, and he knows what he thinks he needs to meet it. And what Peter is trying to make clear to him is, is, listen, you're asking us for money, but we are about to give you something that is worth so much more. Right? And, and for many of us in our relationship with Jesus, we can remember those times and seasons, the places and the needs where we thought we knew what we needed from God. And where we were expressing to him, Lord, if you will just heal in this area. Lord, if you will just provide in this area. Lord, if you will just give me that relationship. If you will just open the door for that scholarship. Lord, if I can just get that job. Lord, if you can just bring peace to, if I can just have this one little thing. And yet in that experience, you discovered as this man in Acts chapter three is going to discover that Jesus is more. And that he has more than what you've asked for. He has more than what you thought was possible. He has more than what you could imagine. And he might come and he might meet those needs. He might kind of deal with the things that are on the surface. But he also comes and always does a much deeper work of healing and wholeness. Of bringing you into life and bringing you into experiences of hope that will not, cannot be taken away from you. And Peter makes it clear to the man and to us how that's going to happen. He says, we don't have silver or gold, but what we do have, we give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he says, walk. Now, it's important for us to, to stop and consider why Peter phrases it in that way. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It's not a, it's not a magic mantra, right? These are, it's not the equivalent of abracadabra and then you do what you want. But instead, what Peter is trying to help this man understand and help the crowd around understand is the healing you're about to witness occurs through the name of Jesus Christ. And he's making a connection that was important then and remains important for us now today. Everywhere the name of Jesus is proclaimed, everywhere the name of Jesus is welcomed, in every life where the name of Jesus is embraced, the power and the presence of the resurrected Christ is at work. And so he's not just saying in the name of a religion. He's not saying in the name of teachings. He's saying in the name of Jesus who is powerful, present, and right here, you're about to receive a miracle. And so on Easter, the connection we want to understand is that the resurrection is not just something that happened once upon a time. The resurrection is something that is still happening in our lives today. Jesus is still defeating sin. He is still bringing provision. He still promises that he is the resurrection and the life and that everyone who comes to him will come to the Father. He still promises that he has defeated hell and sin and death for us. And everywhere his name is provided, proclaimed his presence is powerful and his spirit is at work. And so what we see happening then in Acts chapter 3 is Peter and John making this proclamation. Hey, we don't have what you're looking for, but we have what you should be looking for. We don't have what you think you need, but we have what you really need. And then you, you can continue to read as we work our way through the story. In verse 6, Peter says, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. Now, now think for a moment what that moment was like for this man. 
So there's a, there's a picture that is created in the story of Peter reaching out to this man. Now again, he, we've, we've been told he has been crippled, he's been lame since birth. He has never been able to walk. To this point in his life, every time someone reaches their hand out to him, it's so that they can move him where they want him to go. It's so that they can get him from where he is to where he needs to be. Every time a hand has been extended to him to this point, it's been an expression of his inability and his dependence on others. And now Peter stands there, he extends his hand, and he says, here's what you're going to do. You're going to take my hand, and you're going to walk. And so, so there's this, this moment of things that don't make sense. It, it's a moment of faith. It's a moment of decision. It's a moment of him having to decide, do I believe that that's possible? And in that moment, just as brief as it is, there is a lifetime of hurt and disappointment bound up in it. There's a lifetime of questions and doubts about why has this happened and why has God not intervened. And as Peter extends this opportunity for a new future, for a brighter tomorrow, there's a moment of faith and decision. And for you and I, when Jesus shows up in our life and he shows up as more, there remains that moment of faith. That moment of deciding, is it worth the risk? Right? Is it worth overcoming the fear? And, and for this man, there's some real risk there. He, he risks taking Peter by the hand and nothing happening. He risks potential embarrassment. He risks some shame. And yet it seems that he decides the risk is worth it. Because what's the worst thing that could happen? The worst thing that could happen is he remains in his position. The worst thing that could happen is he stays on the mat. The worst thing that could happen is he continues to beg. And so too, when Jesus shows up in our life today and he extends his hand and calls us into a life of more, of more of his presence, of more of his power, of more of his peace, we too face that point of decision of will I follow him into more or will I stay and just keep doing what I want to do? And if you're in that space this morning trying to evaluate is following Jesus worth it, my question to you would be what do you have to lose? If it doesn't work, what do you have to lose? If you don't experience peace, if you don't experience hope, if you don't experience joy, if you don't find love, if you don't find a, a sense of, of significance and a sense of meaning, what do you have to lose? You just go back to the things you're already doing. You just continue to cope as you've always coped. You continue to manage as you've always managed. You continue to disguise as you've, as you've always disguised. But on the other hand, what if it works? What if there is hope? What if there is joy? What if there is peace? What if there is an experience of a connection with God that you've never known before? What if you were made in the image of God and your soul will not rest until you discover a relationship with him? What if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? What if he is the resurrection for you today? What if he is who he says he is? And the invitation remains the same as it was to that man of, can you just take that step of faith? And, and the beautiful thing about life in Jesus is that when he asks you to take a step of faith, he also gifts you with that faith. And so it's not on you to kind of conjure up this ability. It's not on you to try to figure it out or become righteous or holy enough on your own. It's just on you to say, Jesus, I, I think that's you and, and I want to move forward. And we see what happens in the, the story of Acts. It's not just... Uh, not just that more takes faith, it's also that you have to actually walk into it. Verse 7, it says, Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. 
He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. So again, the, the scriptures, they, they rarely give us like a medical diagnosis of what was wrong with the person, right? But what we can see in Acts chapter 3 is, is it appears there is something wrong with this man's feet and his ankles that have prevented him from ever being able to stand or to walk. And so in that moment, Peter reaches out his hand and he says, hey, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And the, 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 the expectation is now you're going to take my hand and you're going to walk. Now, now again, every time a hand has been extended to him, it's so that he can be picked up and carried somewhere else. He has no frame of reference for what it feels like to have someone grab you by the hand and your feet begin to bear the weight of your body. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know, unless you've been there, I don't know that you can imagine what that's like. I mean, I, I know I've, like, I've had a couple knee surgeries in my life, and one of the things that has always amazed me in that process is how quickly your muscles will atrophy. Some of you, you've had surgeries, you've had other things, you've had moments where, where maybe a, an arm or a leg has been immobilized. And, and what, what has always fascinated me, every time I've had surgeries, how can I spend decades building this muscle and it can disappear in four weeks? Like, it can go from a strong leg that can do everything I need it to do to basically just skin hanging on bone. And if that happens to me in four to six weeks, this man for a lifetime, you can picture what his legs look like. There is no muscle definition. They are shriveled, they are curled up, they are curled under. They are useless and they are lifeless. And Peter looks at him and says, you're going to walk. And he reaches down and he grabs him by the hand. In that moment of faith, he makes a decision of, I, I have got nothing to lose, let's see what happens. And it says as he takes Peter's hand instantly, his feet and ankles are strengthened. And the implication, because he begins to walk and begins to jump, is instantly all the nerves begin to fire. All of the muscle is restored. And when he stands up, he is not like a little toddler kind of bumbling and stumbling while everybody stands around to catch him. But he stands up and he is perfectly, finally, completely healed and whole. And it's that space. I mean, can you imagine what that would have felt like of, of on the one hand, you've never done this before, and on the other hand, it feels like the exact thing you were created to do? That the deep inside, not your body, but deep inside your soul is this recognition of finally, this is what my feet and ankles are supposed to do. This is what my legs are supposed to do. And then it's just this outburst of joy. It says as he stands and begins to walk, he, he can't walk very long because he has to start jumping, right? And then he has to start running, and then he has to start shouting, and he's praising the Lord, and he's causing this big commotion and this big stir in the temple, and everybody knows that's the man who laid on the mat. What is going on? And in our life, the, the same thing is going to happen. When Jesus comes and begins to call you into more, there's going to be a point of decision where you have to decide not just to follow him, not just to believe in him, but you have to decide to walk with him. You can't keep doing the same old things in the same old ways. You can't keep living in the same life of sin, in the same life of darkness. You have to walk from where you are onto the path that he is calling you on. And he's not doing it without his presence. But he's extending his hand to you and he's saying, hey, let's go. Let's follow this path. Let's walk a new life. And when that happens, 
it creates a stir in the world around you. It creates an opportunity for you to tell others about what Jesus has done. Next week, we'll get into Acts chapter 4 and the, the longer story of what happens on the other side of this man's healing. But for today, we'll finish with just Peter's brief sermon that he gives to kind of call people to Jesus. And it's a reminder to us that when Jesus does more in our life, when he meets the physical need, when he provides, when he leads, when he guides, when he does that for someone else, it's never st- it never stops there. But these temporary things are always intended to lead us into more eternal experiences of Christ. And this is what Peter shows us. Acts chapter 3, verse 16, Peter tells the crowd, By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can see. Peter uses the physical healing as an opportunity to point to the divinity of Christ. Once again, he points back to the reality of the resurrection, to who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, and what it means for each individual. He jumps into a mini-sermon about Jesus. He uses this man's glorious transformation as a way to connect the dots for the people gathered there of the same spirit is now available to you today. And then he not only gives them the information, but he calls them and us to a point of action. Verse 19, Peter says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. See, when, when we're asking God, I need more of whatever it might be. It's an expression of need. It's an expression of lack. It's an expression of weariness. An expression of things are not as I wish they would be. And what Peter tells us is that the first need that he comes to meet is to wipe our sins away, to remember them no more, that Jesus comes as our Savior to restore our connection to God and to restore our connection to each other. And what Peter tells us is our greatest need is to be reconnected to the Father through Jesus, and then through that we'll be reconnected to each other. And he says that when you repent and your sins are wiped out, then Times of refreshing will come from the Lord. I love, love that phrase and I love that picture. I mean, do, don't you want to live in a, in a world? Don't you want to have a life where your soul is continually refreshed? This is the promise of life in Christ. That, that yes, seasons and situations will change. Challenges and obstacles will come. But when you walk with Jesus, times of refreshing are always available to you. He still brings hope. He still brings life. He still brings peace. He brings joy. He brings provision. He brings healing. He brings direction and guidance. He brings internal strength. He brings the ability to persevere. He gives you supernatural patience. In every moment of life you face, times of refreshing are now yours because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you and is bringing life to your body, to your soul, and to your mind. This is the promise of Easter. It's the hope of resurrection. Not just that Jesus came as a teacher for us to model our lives after and do the best we can, but he came as the Savior. And the death he died, he died for us. And the life he lives, he now shares with us. And in that life, you will be refreshed. In that life, you will be renewed. In that life, you will be restored. This is our hope. This is our joy. We we know some stuff we need. 
And Jesus is coming to give us that and so much more. And so my prayer for you on this Easter is that wherever you are in your relationship with Jesus, you'll take time today, you'll take time this week to listen for his voice and to follow where he leads. And as you walk that path of life, provision, of hope, of healing, of joy, that your soul will be refreshed and renewed by the power and the presence of Jesus. Will you stand with me? I want to pray for us. The band's going to come. They're going to lead us in a final song this morning. Jesus, we come to you today. And on Resurrection Sunday, we are grateful that everywhere the name of Jesus is proclaimed, your presence is here and is powerful. So Lord, we come this morning with our needs that we know about. We need healing. We need provision. We need deliverance and we need guidance. We need you to come and renew our hearts and minds. We need you to come and restore our relationships. Lord, we need you today. Will you come and be the God who provides? Will you come and be the God who heals? But Jesus, more than we seek your gifts, we want to seek and embrace your presence today. Believing that you are the sufficient one, you are the answer to every question, you are the answer for every need. And so Jesus, we come with the needs we know about and with those we're unaware of, and we simply ask you to take your place as our Savior, our King, and our Lord. Will you bring times of refreshing to our hearts and to our minds? Will you bring times of refreshing to our relationships and our health? Jesus, will you come and achieve all that you have planned in our lives today? We submit to you. We surrender to you. We celebrate and embrace the resurrected power of Christ in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.